Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. My name is Rick Wirtz, with Faith, uh, the founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where we encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. It is uh, be a dad that prioritizes physical presence, is engaged emotionally, and leads spiritually by example. Our vision is to engage dads in raising a godly generation and reinvigorate the church on the fathering front. This podcast series is uh, the second of uh, three and and, uh, exploring the world of adoption. And we're blessed uh, today again to have Mr. Brian Stanton in the uh, studio with us to share his journey. Uh, we've, we've just uh, talked about in a previous podcast, he, Brian shared his journey through blank, where he was connecting with his birth mother. What a powerful story that is. And uh, uh, I know there's another chapter to the story, maybe a couple of chapters, but uh, <laughs> the search for your biological father. I understand that search isn't always as straightforward as a mother because it's uh, that unknown or that blank spot on the uh, on the uh, birth certificate. But uh, in fact, you've written and produced a second play called Ad Ghost Kingdom that takes the audience with you on the on the search for your dad. Without giving away the show, can you share a little bit about what this new journey was like? Absolutely, I. Um... I had first, as I said in the first segment, uh, I was told I was born of rape, uh, conceived through rape. And uh, it, right away at first, I did not want to search for, for my father. I was like, I don't need to know him. Then what, what, why would I want that in my life? But then as I uh, became more involved in the adoption foster community, uh, I realized uh, that it is important to still know the truth. And, and I did have it in me that I did want to know. Uh, the truth and 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 who my father was as a human being. Now I'll talk about the Ghost Kingdom. As you said, my uh, new project is titled "At Ghost Kingdom," and the Ghost Kingdom was a term coined by an author, Betty Jean Lifton. Uh, she speaks of the Ghost Kingdom as a spectral place, as a psychic reality where uh, a lot of adoptees reside. Um, they have, that's where the fantasies live of who the lost mother and lost father are. And, uh, the ghosts just kind of roam around there up in the kingdom and the birth mother may have a ghost of that lost child, or it may be the life that could have been Mm. the what if, you know, it's really a fantasy land. And to, uh, give you my perspective of that growing up, I had fantasies of my, (laughs) birth mother and father uh, my whole life. Um, And, you know, if I was really angry at my adoptive parents, I thought my perfect, beautiful biological mother was going to come take me away and save me. You know, her life is perfect. Mm. You know, Mm. if I was angry, it's I just, you know, uh, she's trash. I don't need her, you know, whatever, you know, it's just unhealthy fantasies. Right. And when I did meet my birth mother, it humanized that ghost and it rooted me a little more. Well, I needed to do that with my father because imagine what uh, the I had the the monster rapist fantasy of who my father was. Sure, sure. And that's not healthy to live with. No, so, no. Um, I began looking um, uh, through uh, whatever my birth mother told me. She said there were three men. She could not remember one man. She did give me the name of. One of the men who she believed was my father because of my looks. Mm, mm. But that man was in federal prison at the time. 
And then another guy had already passed a tragic accident, mm, but okay. I didn't really look like him. So she thought I was this one man's son. Well, I began searching. And I hired a private investigator to figure out uh, some information on this man in federal prison because I, I needed to be careful. And I have a family. I didn't, I didn't know how dangerous it was. Sure, sure. Um, and by the way, uh, kudos to my birth mother here. We praised my adoptive mother last time on her support. Well, I'm going to praise my birth mother on her support for this because she's having to relive the trauma going through all this. And, tough, tough journey. What a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I searched, uh, he found out the reason he was in prison. I got in touch with some of his family members. Some didn't want anything to do with me, but one woman who was his daughter uh, responded to me and we created a great relationship. She was so excited to know she had a brother out there and uh, she eventually put me in touch with uh, her father, who I thought was my father, and uh, we worked out a test. Wow. Wow. Yeah, in prison. That's some tenacity to work through that system. There. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, I hit a lot of walls on this. Um, I'll tell you a quick fun story. Uh, they would not allow me to send a DNA test in there, which is really just a Q-tip. You swab your cheek, put it in an envelope, and mail it off. That's all it is, folks. Well, <laughs> they wouldn't allow that. So I talked to the DNA lab and they said, you know what, if, if, if he's able to save his fingernail clippings, uh, he could send you, he can mail that to you, mail that to us. If we're able to scrape enough DNA off those fingernails, we can compare it with your cheek swab. Wow. So I asked him and then he said, fingernail clippings, what about blood on a diabetic stick? And I was thinking, blood on a diabetic stick? They're going to let you mail me blood on a diabetic stick, but they won't let me just send you a Q-tip? <laughs> so sure enough, he sent me fingernails and blood in the mailbox. And that was a very interesting day at the mailbox, I'll tell you that. <laughs> anyway, 0%, it turns out he was not my father. Wow. And that really surprised just share a little bit. I know we've talked about the roller coaster ride that you yeah. were on in this and how you had anticipation and then oh, yeah. the disappointment. Yeah, when you go on this search, it's uh boy, it's it's it, it's you're I was filled with anxiety first because you're reaching out to these people and you you don't you don't know who you're reaching out to and and you're you're essentially disturbing their lives and just or coming into their lives and 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 it, it, it with some very personal possibly personal information so it's nerve-wracking and and it's tough and people go about it different ways and and some adoptees do not search because it is so scary mm -hmm. it, i mean it's frightening uh but i i had made the decision that uh, this is what i want to do i'm going to stick to it it is my right i do not mean to disturb anyone I, I will not invade your privacy. I'll reach out to you. But if you say, I'm sorry, we, uh, we just asked privacy, I'll respect that. Everybody has a right to privacy. Sure, sure. I just question if mothers and fathers have a right to be anonymous to their children. <laughs> That's all I question. That's a good question. Um, so it's a scary, scary thing to, to reach out. But, boy, when, when she – when she, uh, the, the, his daughter responded to me to have that – 
uh, response and, and, and she embraced me. It, it just feels wonderful and it's, and it's exciting. And then you start talking about, oh, we have this in common. We have that in common. But then it turned out we weren't related at all. You know? And then you have her on a roller coaster and ride. Boom. Well. And she yeah. went on the ro- ride with me and she was just as excited as I was. Mm. And he seemed excited about sure, it. Sure. Um, so that was a dead end. That was a, a, that was a dead end. And then uh, my birth mother said, well, because she ended up after the rape, about a month after the rape, she began dating someone else and they were, they were pretty serious. So that's when she started showing that she was pregnant. So everybody thought I was that boyfriend's son anyway. But when my birth date became more clear, that's when my birth mother was like, oh, he's not my boyfriend's. He's from the rape. Hmm. And I don't mean to confuse people with that. That's how it came out. But since I wasn't who she thought I was, then she's like, oh, well, maybe you're not from the rape then. Maybe you are my boyfriends. I apologize. I'm not using any names right now. I just want to protect those uh, involved. Um, So she gets a hold of him. I call him up. He's all excited. He's like, oh, because he thought I was his all these years. He said, oh, I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this phone call for, you know, 40 years or 36 to 37 years. I've been waiting for you. My wife knows about you. My kids know about you. I'm just so excited to be talking with you. And then he's like, no, I didn't know about the rape. I, I, she didn't tell me about that at all. But uh, I always thought you were mine, always, because her family took me into a Catholic church, made me sign papers uh, to, sign, to, sign off paternity rights. to sign off all paternity rights. Wow. And in, from that moment on, they were split apart. So he was all excited about this. But my heart is breaking because I'm thinking the timing doesn't work out. It's about a month off. I would have been born in March, most likely, rather than February. But to have that, so here's the emotional roller coaster like, oh, I'm not from a rape. I'm from a fun, you know, teenage boyfriend night, you know. (laughs) And that's, you know, and he's so excited to have me. And the family's excited to have me. And he said, we host all these big family dinners. And you definitely have a space at our dinner table. What a, what a word that must have been to you. Oh, uh, so exciting. But I, the whole time I'm thinking, how could this be? We did a test, and no, it, he was not my father. Gosh. So then my birth mother was like, well, then you, you have to be um, the other, one of the other guys from the rape who uh, uh, sadly passed away in, in the early 90s uh, just from an ac- a work accident. And um, that was tough. I... I I was like, do I reach out to this family? And and I, I reached out to the family and really none of them wanted to have anything to do with me. I, I had some publicity about blank from NPR, from newspapers, whatnot. It's all, you know, if you Google my name, you could probably see it. And they Googled my name, of course, when I said, I think your, fa- your father is my father or could be my father. And they saw the stuff about the rape. They said, ah, we're not touching that. And so that was tough. Uh, it, Although one of them did say that he would do a test with me because he understood the desire to know and the right to know. And, uh, but then the rest of the family, he, he, he agreed to take a test with me and then the rest of the family talked him out of it. So there was that big kind of up and down with that. Um, and that kind of, 
uh, I, I was emotionally exhausted. Right. Now that uh, that uh, so through the process of elimination, you you kind of assumed that that was that was your dad. But, yeah. But uh, and there you, was the X factor of that other guy that she could not remember his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I had to find just the strength to accept what is and move forward. Right. Because I can't forget that I am a father myself. I was going to say at this point, uh, you you uh, you already you had the wonderful support of your birth mother, mm-hmm. but you also had the powerful support of your bride. Big time. Yes. <laughs> and your family. <laughs> and my family. Uh and but also I had to be there as support for my two young daughters, uh, my lovely little girls, uh, who aren't so little anymore. Anyway, <laughs> see, proud father that, here speaking, a, right? That's another. That's another uh, <laughs> reminder to dads that time gets away quickly. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. Um, so I decided to um, uh, stop knocking on doors and calling people and uh, personally reaching out to people. I. I I was emotionally exhausted, and and uh, it was tough. But Rick, what I did learn, and talking about those fantasies, was um, the, the the man in prison. I humanized him. He was no longer a rapist monster, if that makes sense. Hmm. I spoke to him on the phone. We spoke through email. I met his daughter. You know, uh, spoke with his daughter. He was a human being. Made some bad choices, but he was a human being who has good intentions. And um, I humanized him. And, and that's a lot of what the search is about. It's about us humanizing those ghosts, those fantasies, and rooting ourselves into a truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. So yeah. you uh, – so you now the refresh my memory on the me- mechanics of the testing. Uh, now, you, you did a paternity test. And the, the, so there's a lot of uh, there's a mechanical interaction, obviously, and an intrusion into these people's lives to yeah. ask them to participate in a paternity test. Right? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you, you ask their permission, would you be interested in doing a test? And the test is actually really simple. Mm-hmm. But you are swabbing your cheek and you're putting your identity out there. And, and that's how the connection is made. And uh, if it is the father, it turns out 99.999999%. Mm. If it's not the father, it's 0%. There's no 50% there's no, father. <laughs> Remember well, there's, that. There's, there's, some that, there's some that think they are. There's uh, some that think they are. Right? <laughs> emotionally, that may be the case. Uh, I was wondering if you'd go there. That was perfect. <laughs> we need to be there 100%, 150% if that's possible. Uh, that's exactly right, 100 uh, plus. But, that, but I, I just can't fathom how exhausted you must have been through multiple uh, highs on the roller coasters and then lows and then the burden of yeah. the others, like your uh, probable or possible sister mm-hmm. uh, on the ride with you and, and the uh, other boyfriend. This uh, must have been tremendously taxing. Uh, but I, I love the emotion, you know, the emotional connection when you say you humanize. You know, we we saw, and that's such a lesson in uh, relationships in general, isn't it? That we project a, an image on somebody, but when we actually engage them in a conversation, 
they're a human there and and I've been working prisons as well and you know these these uh, you know we tend to even project on a group of people sometimes oh, and, absolutely and you just cannot it's so important so I, I think just that message right there uh, is another way the adoptive uh, adoption world uh, can uh, lift up a generation of those that are sensitive to the realities we're not assuming anything we're uh, engaging in relationship and moving forward engaging and, I love it yeah. yes so that uh, I just uh, tip my cap to you for your again your tenacity, but uh, but where you're at right now at the at this juncture at the end of your your second play at Ghost Kingdom, uh, which again I want to make sure anyone that's listening that is uh, tied to an adoptive uh, uh, organization of any kind, uh, make sure you touch base with Brian Stanton because he has a. a uh, resources for you to, to use and to connect uh, to open doors, open hearts, and uh, let people know what uh, what this journey is really all about. And uh, but I, uh, the 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 place where you're at at this juncture when you wrap up at Ghost Kingdom is that you've uh, gotten to the point where by a process of elimination you've kind of accepted the fact that this. Uh, gentleman that had passed tragically uh, must have been your dad yet there Mm -hmm. was a nudging uh, that that might not be the whole story how how strong was that nudging oh pretty strong I I mean if if I didn't know for sure I didn't know for sure (laughs) and you weren't going to accept not knowing for sure (laughs) I wasn't going to accept not knowing for sure and I figured the truth uh, would find me and uh, at some point Um, and that's when I decided upon a new path and uh, that would be all those ancestry sites uh, that we see. Ah, so, so ancestry.com, 23andMe, and my heritage, and uh, uh, DNA tree, you know. And, uh, so all these DNA sites. So, and I'm like, well, I could do that privately. Ah, so that was the uh, nudging to say, hey, there's uh, can, there's a possibility of other information yeah, out there. I can go down another path. All right. Well, folks, uh I want to encourage you to stay tuned for another chapter of, uh, of this story because, uh, uh, and I, I thank you again, Brian, for being here in the studio with us. Uh, just an reminding honor. dads that uh, this emotional engagement is a, a huge piece. And uh, those of you with teenagers already know this, but that's, the, that's one of the key challenges is to stay emotionally engaged as our kids get so busy during those uh, teenage years. So just a reminder, Dad, that's uh, one of the three uh, factors of faithful fathering, prioritizing physical presence, engaging emotionally, and leading spiritually by example. Again, that's the dad you're called to be, and that's the dad the next generation needs. Thanks for tuning in and join us next time. God bless. Godspeed.